Hello, everybody. It is Monday, October 2nd. Ah, just about 11.11 a.m. Do you know where your children are? This is the sports show that we do here on the New American Media. This is called The Unhappy Hour Sports Show. Welcome to my bar. I still don't have my green screen uh, figured out just yet. Just having difficulties. It's like if you press on it, then it looks good, sort of. I don't know. I'm in a confined space, and I can't really put the lighting where it needs to be, but I don't care. It's not about lighting. It's about getting together and talking sports. Now, you may be seeing this on a stream for the New American Media. Well, the New American Media is the umbrella under which... See, that's what this says here, the New American Media on the microphone. So this is the unhappy hour, and we're going to talk about sports. We cover current events and other important news on the Agree to Disagree show. That's on podcast. So is this show, the unhappy hour. And in today's show, we just kind of have to talk about getting humbled. (laughs) Um, The Cleveland Browns lost to a good team. The Baltimore Ravens played well, you know, so let, let me, let me try to approach this because there's plenty of doom and gloom there really is. I I'm, I'm definitely not a glass half full kind of guy. I I just kind of notice the things that are out of place. Is that me? Like, is that me seeking out the bad or the negative, or is it just, those are the things that catch my attention and it's like, Hey, what's going on there? It's kind of hard to figure out (laughs) which is which let's just be honest. Um, and by the way, so <clears throat> wait, I don't want to get off track here, but I, I, I want to try to be positive. I, I could have went three other directions with that, but I want to stay focused. Um, I want to point out some of the positives because this is a really disappointing two and two. This, this, this team, it's, it, it feels disappointing at two and two. The Ravens are the first team that like, like <clears throat> came out and beat us. They defeated us. By the way, if you want to join the show live, send an email to twist of nothing at Yahoo real quick. I'm trying to figure out the best way. If you can leave your comments. Now, see, I'm watching it on two streams, but it's showing none of the streams, but we're working out the kinks. But if you leave a message or contact me somehow, send me me a Facebook direct message. (coughs) Excuse me. Got a bit of a... uh... Because there's a link I can email you and I can bring you into the program live. That is, if I can get to your comments. So I want to try to be positive here. Um, 
but let's just point out a lot of the thoughts. I want to scroll through. Oh, I got to click this twice, don't I? There we go. Let's go half and half. half. Ah, okay. We can try it this way. So here's a concern. What if Deshaun Watson actually has a labrum issue that the team is trying to slow walk or cover up? Um, I read a comment. Maybe that was from Matt Pastorelli. And he was saying that, uh, you know, give me a break. The team knew that this was a problem from Monday or from Tuesday. You know, that they they made roster changes. They they brought another guy in. They This is a problem. Are they slow walking a more serious injury? Was it the cat on the roof? I think Scott Adams talks about like a cat on and like every every story gets more escalatingly worse. If I'm saying that properly. But yeah, he's just wondering, is it a labrum issue? Could it be a torn labrum, a, a torn rotator cuff? Um, he said his son has an experience, unfortunately, with these types of injuries. And it's just it's not good trying to come back from this. You know, that was my my big concern. Every quarterback's going to get hit. It's just when they're running quarterbacks, they tend to get hit more often. And these these injury the, these the hits accumulate, and at some point, it's just the wrong angle, the wrong twist, the wrong motion at the just slightly wrong timing, and you get a weird injury. So I'm sure hoping that's not the case. Matthew says after they handled after how they handled Baker's shoulder, I can't help but think it's karma. Yeah. By the way, this is the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, a support group. It's a private group on Facebook. Go ahead and type in to find it. Join it. We just kind of keep it private. I don't know. It's just the way it's been. But yeah, karma, just with Baker's shoulder injury and Baker forcing his way to, to keep playing through it. And he really wasn't the same player. But I mean, we were still like a 500 team. If the defense and special teams hadn't let us down, we could have made the playoffs. And, and when you get there, you just never know what's going to happen. A couple turnovers, you, you you just never know. But yeah, I, I think a lot of fans look at how Coach Stefanski handled that and don't understand why they didn't bench Baker a couple games in. Um, You know, well, Baker wanted to play. Okay, well, the coach says, I saw you give it your all the past two weeks, kid. You don't have it. That's the manager that walks up to the mound and he makes a call to the bullpen. Sorry, kid, you're done for the night. Doggone it, I wanted to stay in. All right, hit the showers. Yeah, but I really wanted to. All right, here's the ball. And you go, like you make a decision. That's what a boss does. That's what a leader does. And it just seems like Stefanski just kind of got annoyed with him and set him up to fail. Didn't double team against the Steelers. I mean, it was almost like they were trying to get Baker hurt. So there's, there's a lot of criticism on... Uh, Kevin Stefanski right now. Jeremy says he should be able to play with a torn labrum, especially with the trainers that the NFL has. Once again, Jeremy with experience with his son. So this is a lot of people commenting, hey, my son went through this. My son went through that. Uh, my son played an entire season of juniors with a torn labrum. Totally painful and uncomfortable, but doable. But football players aren't as dedicated, it seems, anymore. Season is done without Deshaun Watson. 
Let's hope he can make it work. I add in here that, yeah, I had the same injury. I had to have a, a repair made. Um, and my experience was after there'd be weeks of pain and it would just kind of, you'd get used to it and then the pain would calm down. And you're like, good, back to normal. And then I try to lift a bag of groceries and I just like a rifle blast. I would just get knocked down to a knee. I, uh, just in something as simple as you're sitting in your chair at work or something, you know, you're at your office and the pencil that you set down starts to roll off the table and you just reach out. You have like an instinct. It's not a, it's nothing you plan. It's just, it's a very fast, it's the fastest way that you could move your hand to an area that you weren't anticipating you were going to be reaching. It's just an automatic. Oh, and it's just like getting stabbed with knives in the shoulder. Oh, it could be so painful. And it, it lasted. The injury went for a while and it was like, do some exercises and do some rehab to strengthen the other muscles around it. There's, there's some of that. And then of course with Baker, you'd have to imagine it was a lot of, you know, pain pills or pain, uh, remedy products. But yeah, I mean, you either have it or you don't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's not it. Clayton is saying, don't put that energy out there. I'm like, I didn't, someone said it and I just, it, it dawned on me that we could have probably known about this in advance. Uh, Keith puts in here, look at this new KC name and new helmets, the Kansas city Swifties. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Mark says, put her spooky alien eyes on it. So she's got spooky alien eyes. All right. <laughs> spooky alien. eyes. <laughs> Uh, so this is where we'll reach out to the T-N-A-M, the T-N-A-M meme team. Can somebody <laughs> make some memes that incorporate spooky aliens? In Taylor Swift with her spooky alien eyes. I guess I could show you this one. This is a... Or maybe I was going to scroll to it, but... Yeah, this is Coach Stefanski. Just kind of people wondering why you calling the plays that you're calling. Why is this what you're doing? Hang on, let me. I'm looking at the. Kind of looks. Maybe. What's another way to do this? Sorry, I'm playing the role of producer myself. Oh, I guess I could just go there, huh? Oh, look at that. Sorry, it's been a while since I've. done this which one's better that one or this one all right i'll just stay on this one spooky alien eyes but yeah i, I just said you know is, is coach stefanski the browns biggest problem how many short passes did kevin stefanski call for uh for dorian thompson robinson to get njoku within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage today uh, there's an answer. The answer is um, seven targets, maybe as you would expect. 
Elijah Moore with four targets, Jerome Ford with six, Amari Cooper with six, Peoples-Jones with four, Jordan Aikens two, Cedric Tillman three, Harrison Bryant one, Marquise Goodwin one. But Elijah Moore, I thought he was supposed to be a really big part of this offense. And I'm, he's like, what, quick slants and crossing routes and four targets. That It seems like that's somebody that could have really thrived. You know, Njoku is a big target and a safety valve. He did lead the team in uh, targets. Yeah, but how many design plays for more? Uh, opposite Njoku. Just keep them patrolling, like, within that 10, 15 yard, just side to side, try to get open, try to free up a, a running lane or a, a different throwing lane or something. How many screen passes did we have? What were, what was with these 30 to 45 yard, chuck it up, close your eyes and just let it rip. He had three interceptions yesterday. I said, that's a game plan and a coaching problem. You know, you drafted this kid because he allegedly has some of the same skill sets that Deshaun Watson has. Neither is going to be a lot of strange syllables in that sentence. But it's it he's he's not the same player. <laughs> he does not have a rifle of an arm, it does not seem, um, with any sort of accuracy. And the offensive line's injured. Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones hobbled. Ethan Posick hobbled out. You know, Jedrick Wills is being Jedrick Wills. Is Petonio questionable? I mean, it's we got injured pretty quick. You know, rarely do you get to have every tool available for your season. So you got to have a good game plan in place for the backups. And there just has to be different game plans in place when you're playing a backup quarterback. All right, keeping it moving through here. Yeah, Mike says Stefanski had Watson um, using his game plan when it was a long shot at best to, to play. He's incapable of change. There we go. That's the the gist of that. Stefanski is incapable of change. RJ put out there that uh, picture of Greg Williams, and I said he should have been our head coach. Matthew agrees. He says they did him dirty by letting him go. Imagine him as a head coach and Schwartz as the defense like now. Ooh. Ooh. Jeez, bring Freddie Kitchens back. Can we trade for Baker? <laughs> Kenneth is being sarcastic. Be quiet. Let the coaches coach. I said, I said, I do watch how they coach and it befuddles me with the rookie QB. Why couldn't we set him up for success? I don't think Kevin is right for this position. I've been saying that for three or four years now. He hasn't improved, has not improved. Chad says coach Stefanski is terrible at making adjustments to his game plan. He's sure he went in with a strategy for the game with Deshaun at QB. And even though DTR has a similar skill set, he has to adjust for the mental side of the game. I can't remember a game when Stefanski's made halftime adjustments to his strategy. It's his biggest weakness. So again, maybe if he had an offensive coordinator, if he could just be the offensive coordinator, it's always been too much on his plate. 
And no more excuses this year. This is what happens. You you have Nicholas Jamal Chubb in his prime. You have Miles Garrett in his, in his prime. You have Baker Mayfield entering his prime. Um, you have a window. Denzel Ward. You, you, you look at some of these great players and you have a Super Bowl window. It's it is not infinite it is finite the the amount of time that you can realistically compete for a championship you, you kind of just need to go for it when you have the opportunity i don't know how much longer we have to sit around and hope that kevin stefanski's the guy we lost nick chubb for the whole season was last season our last chance in the window? I don't know. But is he the guy? But there's no more excuses. Matthew says that they gave DTR the Watson plays. I understand they did make the kid look bad with play calling. Should have been run plays and screens. Yes, it should have been a ton of that. <laughs> yeah, Bobby saying, bombs away. That was how Kevin Stefanski was calling his plays with the rookie quarterback. It really was. It was like playing, uh, you know, a, a fourth grader on, on in a game of Madden. You know, maybe somebody that that doesn't play often. I'm sure some fourth graders are next level, but I mean, the very casual player. Or, or, or if you want to go the opposite route, maybe it's a boomer who who sits down to play with with their kid or their grandkid or something, or a niece or a nephew, and. uh you know, if, if if you don't have a lot of understanding with the game, it's easy to kind of look at the play call opportunities and go, I'm going to throw it deep. I'm going to throw it deep. I'm going to throw it deep. I'm going to throw a bomb. I'm going to throw a Hail Mary. It's like, yeah, that's, that's fine and all. But, but it's not sustainable, and it's very risky. When you just chuck it up and air it up, that's how you get a lot of interceptions. And it's a lot of incompletes, you know, high risk, high re reward, high reward. There was way too much of that chuck it up downfield thing for DTR. That should not have been something that was called that often. Sal says, I keep telling you his success in Minnesota was because of Gary Kubiak assisting him. He was hired off the miracle catch that the Vikings had over the Saints in the playoffs. We need to get rid of him just like we did Baker if he continues this mediocre play calling. He is so effing predictable. He is getting out coached with less talent. Yesterday, he didn't set DTR for success. I'm not saying he should be like Brock Purdy, but you can tell when a coach is coaching to his strengths and trying to be cute. Let me like that comment. Tony says, sadly, sooner or later, the Browns head coaches usually end up portrayed as a clown. Why? Why a clown? We all know the most obvious reason. Inexperience and or lack of success in the NFL as a head coach. I know they don't come available often, but until the organization finds a way to hire a successful head coach who has won and had winning seasons and playoff appearances, I don't see this team ever reaching its supposed potential and so i said hey how about jim schwartz 
Luke says, according to sports reporters, they did not adjust the game plan or play calling at all to accommodate DTR versus Watson. No adjustment whatsoever. Chad says, hey, third and four. No running back. Okay. Third and four, no running back. Is this me being positive today? Well, you know what? This makes a lot of sense to me. The Browns got humbled by a better team. There must be a... Okay, so I have a couple different points here. I guess I could edit this, but stream of consciousness thoughts. I figured I'm just going to drop some breadcrumbs on topics I want to discuss about this Browns game. Um, And luckily, luckily, fortunately, we get a bye week. My God. What a, it was Murphy's law against the Ravens. If it could go wrong, it did go wrong. It was, and it was close through most of the first half. It was close. It actually, it was actually close. <laughs> You're seeing Norm McDonald's joke on Letterman about Germany. And it was actually close. <laughs> but it was, it was a close game up until it just, the wheels came off in the second half, really. But that was a better Ravens team. I'm not a big Lamar Jackson fan at all. Very, I've I, I've contended he's very overrated. Um, I would certainly not want to build a franchise around him. Uh, and I watched him with, look, one running touchdown. It's like, oh, darn it. They, yeah. It was the right play call at the right time because of how they, you know, if you call a certain play to drag everybody off of the center of the field, like it, it can open up a nice running lane. So some of these plays, they're designed runs and some of them are just, well, that's what the defense gave me. So I took a shot. I went for it. But he had two runs up the middle. Two of them. I mean, look, I don't like the, the the concept of the running quarterback in the NFL. I just, it's too many hits, too much accumulating damage. I don't really want my quarterback to be involved in so many collisions. But with DTR, it seems like running is a bit more of his, his skill set. I bet he would have been better running a couple of times than he was chucking those things 40 yards downfield. And maybe a good run or two would have eased the the linebackers up a little bit so they weren't over-pursuing and applying so much pressure. It didn't work. (laughs) Whatever they did try, it didn't work. But I I saw from Lamar Jackson, I saw three or four perfectly thrown balls. Passes, balls. I, I, I don't recall... Lamar Jackson having that many perfectly thrown passes. I I mean, what do I say? I'm impressed? To a certain degree, I mean, you say that you got beat by a better team. Okay, I, I'm sorry. It was close at the end of the first quarter. That's what I was trying to get to. I said uh, close by the end of the first half. No, by the end of the first half, it was it was twenty-one to three. That was 
pretty much the difference in the game there. Um, but the end of the first quarter, we we survived a, a, a not so great performance, but it was it was only a four point difference at the end of the first quarter. That's what I meant to say. But Lamar Jackson had a 142.5 rating, a 64 and a half QBR. I mean, DTR had an 18.8 QBR. That's not good. Three interceptions. It was not so great. And yeah, you know, I I, I need to get to um, another topic. But I mean, look, look, to a certain degree, you just say, you know, Zay Flowers had a couple of good plays. Mark Andrews, that perfect catch, perfect throw. I mean, you got beat by a better team. When I played in high school, oh, doggone it. I clicked on this, but I got to double click it. It's a new feature. It's a new feature here on uh, Restream. I click it once. I thought you were looking at this. Um, hang on. Let me get back to the screen here. There we go. Yeah, I pulled up their stats, and I was just kind of comparing the quarterbacks. It's not even, not even close. And Jerome Ford, I mean... Look, they started off the game with a nice run, and it was called them back immediately by the referees. That was like a 25-yard gain. That was a huge way to come out and get started. A lot of penalties, a lot of penalty flags, and a lot of suspect penalty flags. I want to know, you know, they have pro football focus. They'll go back, they'll watch the game film, and they'll grade performances of players. Do we have that service with referees? I want to start charting the teams and I want to start charting. Um, well, just, yeah, the teams. I want to see how many favorable calls teams like the Ravens tend to get and how many unfavorable calls. And I don't just mean who played sloppier and who clearly held somebody who clearly had a face mask. You know, they say that you could call holding on any play in the NFL on, you know, any player on any given play. So it's like on the ticky, <clears throat> ticky tech stuff. At what point are the penalties just. Oh, it set them back another 10 yards like they're drive killers. Oh, here's a pass interference. We're going to bail them out. How much of it is is score management with all the gambling that's going on? How much of it, if, if you watch the Chiefs and Jets game, there's a lot of conversation about how that game felt very rigged. The interception that wasn't, then there's the going down instead of going in for a touchdown. And it's like not covering the spread. It, it, it's... It's becoming curious and curiouser. <laughs> it feels it feels curious to me. I'm 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 very so, something doesn't quite feel right about some of these games. When you just play and let them play and you call the super egregious stuff. That's what I'm saying with the referees. I'm not looking to grade who had a you know the egregious. Okay, he a super clear, obvious, important game impacting penalty occurred here. 
you know, you tackled the guy trying to make the catch two seconds before he got there. The quarterback is getting sacked. So you grab the defender by the face mask and drag him down. Okay. I'm not saying that those penalties should be graded against a team like the Browns. If they were clearly in a bad position, it's a very obvious penalty. I'm talking about ticky tack stuff. And then I also want to see how many big penalties, obvious penalties, not just obscured penalties, but I mean, things that were in the direct line of sight of referees that should have been caught. Why are these getting swept under the rug? You had Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick. Jeez, I'm, confu- I'm starting to confuse things. Micah Parsons, Minka Fitzpatrick, UCLA and Cal. Uh, Syracuse and uh, Clemson. Some of it's like color related. Some of it's like the sound. My brain kind of collects some similar things because I mistakenly typed out yesterday that Aaron Rodgers came from Cal. I'm like, oh, well, DTR is going to do fine. He's obviously smart, you know, and they got a pedigree there. They got like uh, Troy Aikman, of course, Hall of Famer, Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Cowboys. And, um, then of course you have Aaron Rodgers and I, I listed some other people and they're like Aaron Rodgers was Cal. I'm like, Oh, I did just confuse those. Didn't I? But you know, the, the, the play that hurt Nick Chubb, why can't we review some plays and see if we can kick people out of games and suspend them for future games? Why can't we have an office to kind of determine? And I like how somebody said it. If you wouldn't hit somebody like that on your team in practice, It's a dirty play. Now, maybe you go all out differently in practice than you do. Than you do on Sunday. I need to get a less noisy drink next time. But yeah, Roquan Smith, I I saw some dirty plays by him that, that could have easily been penalties. Ripping the helmet off. What was that? Elijah Moore, right? You know, I I saw some stuff that was uh, really suspect. Highly suspect. And I I, I, I really want to get to the bottom of it. I really want to get to the understanding. Of how some players get away with this stuff and how some players don't. Because I think it's it's really impacting the game. I wouldn't say in a good way. You know, I, I typed in the group here. Uh, there, there must be a way to hold dirty players accountable. Ravens got away with major cheap shots and the refs ignored it. The refs threw eight drive-killing penalty flags. I, I just pulled that number out. It felt like eight. Could have been six. It could have been five. It could have been seven. It could have been four. But but more more than two or three. It, just drive killing penalty flags on what seemed like ticky tack plays. So pulling through the comments, Joe says it's rigged. Matt says, if it's rigged, why would it be rigged against the Browns? I'm not saying it's not, but it wouldn't make sense to rig the game against a loyal fan base like ours that is guaranteed revenue for the league. 
I think Joe took it and just kind of flipped that and said, Matt, it makes perfect sense. A loyal fan base for decades of a losing team, it's guaranteed revenue. It's obvious the Browns don't have to win in order for people to attend the games and buy merchandise. Matt says, I see where you're coming from. So how bad are they doing? How So how are they doing it? Is Coach Kevin being instructed by the league to call bad plays? I don't think so. I don't think that, well, I don't think that's necessarily it. I I do think, oh, geez, I'm trying to share this screen again. I got to double click it. Sorry, it's just it's it's so interesting trying to be the the host and the engineer and the producer and the call screener at once. So I think I think something that the NFL does they will get an offense to send a wide receiver down the sideline in a contested play. And as as arms and hands and hips and jerseys and uh, as, as they're as some sort of a a tussle ensues when both are jumping for the ball, those are super easy ways to get like thirty yard chunks and totally shift the field position in games. So it, you know that is. Something the refs could prompt a coach to call the play and say, "Hey, send them, send them." You know, we gotta, we gotta flip this. I don't know. I don't know to what degree, but I don't think that's necessarily what people are saying. It's not bad play calling. Do they ensure that a fifth round draft pick? I think he was a fifth. That DTR played bad, or good players faking injuries or getting injured on purpose? I mean, there could be a little bit of that too. But no, I don't think that's the main question mark or is it simply the refs not making calls intentionally yeah and see yeah ignoring the dirty hits from the Steelers ignoring the dirty plays from the Ravens these are obvious these players should be ejected they should at least at least have a 15 yard on sportsman like penalty absolutely I I go so far as to say that Minka Fitzpatrick should be suspended indefinitely until and unless Nick Chubb gets back into the league. Like, why do you get to dive at somebody's knee and just ruin our season and ruin his life potentially? And you just get to play. You didn't even get flagged on the damn play. Were you suspended after that fact? I don't, I don't know. Was, was he suspended or I'm sorry. Uh, were you fined by the league? I don't recall seeing it. If you were, I don't recall seeing it. And if, if you were, it wasn't enough. You should have missed time, at least the rest of that game, or at least the game after once people have a chance to really review the play and go, we missed that on the field, but we're going to call it now. Like, we're going to find a way. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but there should be something there. Matt says, I'm not being a smart ass. I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to understand the thought process. I guess I see a lot of teams that were bad for a long time and eventually find their stride and they have a long run or at least become playoff teams with good coaching and drafting in spite of the refs. This is a fun conversation to consider both ways. Sean says, I agree. It's not like basketball where one or two players could get paid off and they could change the outcome football. You would need people on both sides of the ball, even bad play call 
even bad play calling could backfire if the players were not in on the take. Well, yeah, but like I said, Sean, it's how many cheap shots do you let the other team get away with without penalizing them? Literally trying to take out our players. How many times do you just Wyatt Teller on that one? He, I mean, they made a big deal and you know, you notice they weren't showing the replays. They, they were refusing to show you the replays to see where the holding happened. I was watching. I'm like, huh, maybe they don't want the scrutiny, but Wyatt Teller was pissed. He was convinced. Now, I don't know if he earned it or not. And he was just saying that. And they did show some replays. It, it's all blurring together. It was a very unpleasant game to watch. But in those ways, you could you could just easily stall drives, make it twice as tough. No, it's it's not a perfect way to literally take the ball out of their hand and hand it to like you have to be somewhat sly about it. But yeah, that that fade route, you run a fly 25 yards down the sideline, you chuck it up, you you know, it's it's almost like the wide receiver pushes into contact intentionally just to draw the flag. Stuff like that. I said, yeah, phantom holding calls, phantom pass interference calls, manipulate every damned game. Sean asks, so you're implying that the refs could be in on the take? Oh, yeah. Oh, the yes, the refs are the take. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I'm implying could be happening. I don't know. Oh, the, the refs are the, the ringleaders. Oh, that's like asking in, in wrestling. Do you think the referees knew what was going on? Yes, they're the ones like they're the conductor. And good conductors are rarely seen or like, you know, they play their role. And it's like, now this time I'm going to swing around and I'm going to knock into you and you're going to fall out of the ring. Yes, the refs are involved. The refs are the rigging. <laughs> um. Oh, geez. I always know his name, but now I'm um, the NBA ref who was acute, uh, who was convicted. He was rigging games. Um, why is his name escaping me? Tim Donahue. There we go. Tim Donahue. I've done shows on Tim. Okay. You can stop now. I've done. Sh Close the tab. Done shows on Tim Donahue. Yeah. For every one Tim Donahue that gets busted, for every one Bob, what's his name? Bob Menendez. Is that the guy? Melendez, the one in New Jersey. Just got caught up on, in some of his charges. For every one of him that's finally getting some accountability, there's a thousand. You know, there's 200 others. Almost everybody's up to something. I said, yeah, with the Cleveland Browns, we have to play perfect in order to beat the other team and the referees. Phil says, for that exact reason, it's why I, they had to bail out the Patriots for so long. Yeah. They are fair weather fans in New England. Browns have a worldwide fan base, and we have one playoff win in 25 years. Yet we still go to games. We draft. Uh, we go to the draft. We buy gear. We support our team. They don't need to win. Just have hope. So Phil was just kind of saying, like, yeah, we are. We, you can kick us around a little bit. That's why they kind of taken it out on us. 
Matt, uh, Mike says to Matt, you made the perfect reason why they could rig it against the Browns because they're loyal. The fan base is they're loyal, win or lose. Not like many fan bases that don't support the team as much when they're losing. I said, well, one reason why, if we're trying to figure out the why, maybe the NFL is still salty. And we're talking about the other owners in the league. Maybe they're salty still that they took our team and went to Baltimore, but we fought like hell. We didn't let them take our team name. We didn't let them take our colors. And we ended up getting an expansion team. We got our team back. We fought and we kept it. You know, that that was a power play move. It's like, what? why did... Well, like him or dislike him, I the analogy makes sense. And I cover this stuff more on the agree to disagree show, but you know, why did the deep state go after Trump so bad? It's like, well, he kind of did his thing and he said, I'm in charge and I'm going to do what I want to do. And the deep state, the powers that be at the alphabet agencies are like, you think you're in charge, son? Oh, you have miscalculated. So I could definitely imagine a scenario where the NFL owners are just kind of like Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, you got your team back, but screw you. That was not in our plan. I don't care about Cleveland. I don't care about you. I don't care about your franchise. I don't care about your history. I don't give a damn. And yeah, I guess you did technically win. So like, you know, you forced us to make this happen. But we, we should have had a team in, in Europe by now. We were supposed to have NFL Europe. And you see every year, like the, who was it? Jacksonville just played. They won, right? they play the Colts um maybe that was their plan it's like no we were going to expand and we we're going to expand into England but you got in our way we would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you rascally kids you pull the Scooby-Doo mask off of Jerry Jones at the end you know maybe there's some animosity over that maybe because the other owners are like holy shit Cleveland you're you're going to fully guarantee that entire contract. You're going to fully guarantee $230 million for Deshaun Watson. We don't fully guarantee contracts in the NFL. And Jimmy Haslam's like, how else are we going to get someone to play here? They're like, yeah, but you don't do that. That's going to totally upend the apple cart. If we have to fully guarantee contracts, we're done, I tells you. Concern it. And they flip a table. And throw down their top hat in disgust. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, it's the... Uh, Roger Goodell works for the owners. The owners are 32. If 31 of them are against the Browns and they got their, their thing going on. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what it is. But on a game-to-game -game basis, this whole gambling thing, the NFL just had to come out and revise terms like if you if, if you bet on your own team you're going to be suspended for two full years we don't want you betting on anything because only we may bet it's a real slippery slope this chicago black Sox thing i mean it's 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 a real slippery slope and there's so much money being exchanged right now so much money is changing hands in in the nfl All of these gambling apps, you know, that they, they're giving you 200 bucks. They're just like, hey, come on in. 
Come on in, kid. The first one's on me. Really trying to turn a nation who needs to get our shit together into degenerate gamblers. It's, uh, there's a lot of money. You know, this is Las Vegas talking. But, you know, it's not me talking. This is everybody talking. Everybody's seeing this. And it's just, it, it manifests itself in weird ways, at weird moments, but it's it, it's cumulative. It's all starting to add up. Oh, and of course, here we go. This is uh, Gary, perfectly timed in this post, saying, seriously, is there anything that isn't a conspiracy? The Browns got outplayed. Our backup Q... All right, look, Gary, I almost... Gary, um... To say that I completely agree with Gary is not a statement that I've thought or typed or said out loud, maybe ever. We'll just leave it at that. But I agree here. The Browns got outplayed. Um, something about the way that the, the the Baltimore Ravens defense, their front four, they were like magnetizing. They were stacking into the Browns offensive line. And they were allowing the lanes for the, the linebackers to get right in there. It was in the first, first four games, I don't recall seeing a defensive front look like that as we were instigating our running game. I, something was different. And it changed in the second half. It got better in the second half. But by then, I you know, only gave up seven points in the whole second half. But, you know, by then we were down 21 as a 28-point game. So... You know, the damage was done, and it's not like the Browns' offense could stay on the field. The Browns' defense was getting gassed. We were having injuries, and it wasn't our finest moment. But, yeah, I'll agree. The Browns got outplayed. The, the better – you know, I, I played on two undefeated teams in high school. Yes, here comes the Al Bundy. But my two teams were undefeated. They were very good teams. They are great teams. State championship my junior year, I was a backup – defensive end and I was uh, like kickoff and kick return punt re yeah kickoff and kick return um but when we got beat we actually got beat we only lost one game each season <laughs> and they're both in the playoffs the team we lost to when I was a senior it was uh Canton McKinley Division one playoffs. This was a big deal. Second round. We had just beaten Maslin. And that team beat us. They 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 came at us and I wonder if I can show you this. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff in here. Oh, I guess okay. Can you see? Where are we at? This is my football helmet. And I have got stick marks. These white ones here. A lot of them. Man, after, after we were done in that playoff game, I knew that we lost to a team that earned it. And a lot of stick marks on that helmet. You know, hats off to the to the Baltimore Ravens. I I don't feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers beat us. I feel like we 
really sabotage that game and a very winnable game. If we play them 10 games in a row, I think we win nine. Or maybe eight or maybe seven, but I mean, we're, I, I clearly felt like we were a better team. Of course, when they injure your best player, that changes your team. And Jerome Ford um, took a step back. The Browns offensive line took a step back. But I'll agree with Gary here. The Browns got outplayed. He continues that our backup quarterback definitely was out of his element. I, I agree. The, the bright lights were pretty bright. And the coach didn't have a bunch of quick timing just quick just get a feel for let him settle in a few handoffs like double the amount of handoffs i don't know that just chucking it downfield did not work now maybe that was on dtr maybe that was on kevin coach stefanski but it didn't work and our head coach i mean offensive coordinator i had no i he had no idea how to adjust his play calling yeah not a lot of adjustments. Everyone says that, that Stefanski does not make adjustments. It's almost like he just plots the game out in advance. And it's all on a script and he just follows the script. You do need to make adjustments. You need to look at the eye in this. And I'm sure he does. But the, it, it's not like we get better very often at halftime of games that we're already not playing well in. If we play well, we just stay playing well. But like it's 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 hard for us to bounce back after getting a chance to regroup and look at what's been working, what hasn't been working, and to try something new to to kind of change fortunes. That's what you need out of a good coach. Uh, Gary continues that the defense showed that they were human, yes, but they still looked pretty good overall. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and once again, I, I feel like the defense did improve after the second half. And it, it definitely shows that in only seven points in the second half. But there was something different about how the Ravens matched up against us. So it's going to be a learning uh, experience. See, whatever the Ravens did is now on tape. And if the next team wants to, to do well against the Cleveland Browns defense... I'm guessing they're going to try, or I, I don't know. I'm flipping these these around, but the things that did not work well for the Cleveland Browns defense, they're going to see them again. And it looks like we figured out what was happening and we put a better plan in place in the second half and we figured out how to slow that down. We were getting run on. They're ripping off some nice runs. Now, it's the NFL. It's going to happen throughout the course of a season, but that was not the MO for this team throughout the first three games. Oh, it's not like they're any. Well, Joe Mixon in game one, Najee Harris game two. Um, Derrick Henry, come on, Derrick Henry, game three. That's a lot of firepower. That's a lot of running. Jackie says, of course it's rigged. Mike saying we're just not as good as we think. Yeah, that that might be part of it. I, I saw a lot of injuries, though, and it's, it's it's hard to compare our team with Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson to our team with Jerome Ford and DTR. Those are vastly different teams. So I think if we have both of those players, we're much better, infinitely better than we are without them. 
how good can we be without them or without one of them? Mm. Doug says, hey, last night's Chiefs-Jets game shows you how rigged the league is. Down 17 to nothing. And the team that could do absolutely nothing in the last two weeks all of a sudden is playing better than the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, okay. Tyler says, we would have won if Watson was out there. Yeah, maybe we were. Maybe we would have. And the defense was gassed. Said, we just look terrible at DTR chucking it downfield. Tyler says, yeah, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson was seeing ghosts out there. He was by no means ready. And if he wasn't ready, that's on the quarterback whisperer. That is on our quarterback whisperer, Kevin Stefanski. I just, I, I, he should have made it work with Odell Beckham and, and, and Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield. Coach Stefanski should have, he should have found a way to make it work with Baker. I, I, I felt he was scapegoated severely. It was one of these two has to leave and he threw Baker under the bus. <clears throat> I'm just not a fan of people throwing others under the bus. Um, I said here, that is there a penalty rating company? Once again, I, I did cover this at the top of the show, but all these drive killing flags, were they egregious and obvious or were they ticky tack? If just kind of felt rigged, Tom says, totally rigged. Did you see the, the missed holding call in the chiefs game, a blatant missed call for the chiefs, then a defensive holding call on the jets to wipe out the interception. You know, that's just. You know, that's where I'm bringing up. It's, is it time for a RICO investigation? There's too much gambling money at stake to let sports leagues manipulate the outcomes. Or at least don't make it so obvious, he says. But Browns fans, look, we, we get a week off. My God, we need it. My God, we need it. And then we got the 49ers. After that, it's a lot of beatable teams. A lot of beatable teams. We'll have each of our division opponents another time. 49ers is going to be tough, but, you know, if you get a healthy Deshaun Watson in there, an extra week to get healthy, an extra week to, to game plan. Okay. I'm back to maybe liking my chances, but yeah. yeah we're going to need some clarity. I would really like to see Deshaun Watson playing and slinging it with, with full zing. If not, I, I thought, you know, I don't want to, mm, no, DTR is not ready. I, I, to anybody who says, well, I wonder if DTR could run this offense better. Deshaun Watson just looks unsure of himself. Um, he, he just kind of looks like he's still processing it. It's too, he's too slow. It's taken too long. If we had a, who knows? Maybe a rookie, like maybe they're just so acclimated. They didn't play in the pros with different coaches and schemes. And like, they just came in and it clicked. And that's how he came from nowhere to winning the backup quarterback position. Maybe he could do it. I think we, we, we understand the answer. The answer is twofold, threefold. Number one, the offensive line is doing nobody any favors. Fourfold. Two, Nick Chubb is gone. That just changes the whole dynamics of your team. Jerome Ford is not the same. Cream Hunt is not the same. Um, three, Kevin Stefanski is, was really not doing him any favors either with the play calling D to, to not explicitly forbid chucking at 35 yards blind downfield 
for three interceptions. You know? Just go more three and outs. Just don't make the unforced error. Three turnovers. I, I don't know how many points that led to. I I don't recall exactly, but it never helps. <laughs> and that's fine. A long interception is kind of like a punt. So maybe it's not as bad in the field position game if everything goes appropriately. It's still not good. Take the punt. They should have ran the ball more. Even if you're getting nowhere, just keep trying. Give the kid a little bit of time to acclimate. So, I mean, Stefanski didn't have him ready. Um, let me buzz through a few other posts here. Yeah, Bears told a healthy scratch. Chase Claypool to stay home. Yeah, some compilation videos of a full lack of effort. Sal says it's the juju effect. He has less talent. He'd rather be on Instagram than on the field. He is who he is. They paid him to. He's a true cancer. Um, so Sean's saying, I, I, I'm not fully understanding the question or the worry over yesterday's loss. Like, what's the big deal? Nobody really expected to win with DTR starting. Yes, coach could have changed the game plan to dink and dunk passes and running. End result would have been the same. To top it off, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it would have. Why couldn't Elijah Moore in space turn a seven-yard passing play into a 40-yarder? You know, he's a home run hitter. Three turnovers. Imagine that leads to 21 points. That's a difference in the game. What was the total? What was the final score? Yeah, 28 to 3. I mean, if, if if we don't have so many unforced errors, who knows what could have changed? But I mean, I get your point. To top it off, after the return from the bye week, we got the Niners, who will more than likely win the Super Bowl. I mean, they're, they're contenders, and man, Christian McCaffrey looks great. So that game most likely will be a loss as well. Then our schedule is a walk in the park. I said, I'm worried about the injuries. What if Watson has a serious injury? What about Garrett, Jones, Posick? Injuries are piling up. Missed a great chance yesterday, and we came out flat. Poor offensive game plan. Defense got tore up in the first half, too. Lots to improve on. Sean's like, yeah, every team has a lot to improve on. Watson, in injury, his injury sucks, but he has time. Same with the rest of the players. Yeah, we missed a great chance yesterday, but not everyone knew with DTR barely going 500 in college, we really had no chance. So he was barely a 500 winning quarterback in college. <laughs> Mark reminding us, careful there. Nothing is a walk in the park for the Browns. Dave says that DTR looked way better in the preseason. <laughs> the reply, obviously, as well, against other teams' third and fourth string guys. Exactly. So, you know, um, absolutely. Bobby says there was a chance to win. They have a defense that could carry them. The offense had to play ball control, but they went conservative. And so they went conservative, but Stefanski went air raid with a rookie QB in his first start. Yeah. If you just play to a tie, and you're not making any big, dumb mistakes, maybe the defense, maybe they're not taxed as much. 
the mistakes start to add up. I mean, geez, we, we gave we gave them the ball, the Ravens the ball, what, right at the 10-yard line? That was I believe that was one that uh, Lamar danced 10 yards into the end zone for a touchdown, chucked the ball, almost took a kid's head off up against the wall there in the end zone. Yeah, why are you going air raid with a rookie? I don't know. Yes, John says this should stop anybody from saying they want DTR to start over Watson, right? Ah, but then Clark, uh, well, you know. Rick's saying it's like Deshaun Kaiser 2.0. Clark is saying in so many words, you got rid of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Matt, Matt giving me grief. Yeah, I saw nothing today from DTR to make me ever want to see him again. <laughs> but yeah, you know, starting center goes out, doesn't help. Now we can all see the rookie struggle. Point proven, uh, point proven, says Chad. He isn't better than the Browns starting quarterback. Hopefully he can get some points from the Browns defense. Well, didn't go well. He looks like a peewee quarterback trying to play in the NFL. He's making mistakes. Even a good high school quarterback doesn't make. I shut it off. I can't even watch anymore, says Mario. David comes in. I appreciate you, David. He goes, why? Can't we use the same excuse Watson lovers use? He just needs more time. He just needs more reps. John comes in. There's a difference between a starting quarterback that needs the reps versus a rookie quarterback that shouldn't even shouldn't have even been the second string to begin with. Since it seems like you just hate Watson, you can tell yourself whatever you want. David responds, of course you're right, John. Wilson ha well, Watson had one good game, so you lovers can hang your hat on that. Meanwhile, we have no future in this franchise. Do you honestly think he's worth the fourth or fifth highest salary? John says, that's where you're wrong, homie. I'm far from a Watson lover. No, I don't think that he's played up to his contract. Unfortunately, your facts are wrong. He's the seventh highest. Well, I mean, the time he was signed, he was the highest. And if you're talking highest guaranteed money, or if you're high, talking highest yearly guaranteed money, Watson's still right up there. But yeah, maybe seventh highest. But there's different metric. Entire length of contract, guaranteed money, yearly guaranteed, yearly annual. Like, there's just different ways to measure it. Anyway, just getting lost in the weeds there, but he says probably in the next year he won't even be top 10. Well, on some metrics. With guaranteed money, he's going to be right up there. John says, you anti-Watson pro-Baker people are super insufferable. If your Messiah was so good, why is he on his fourth different team? See, I, I really don't like that argument. You know why? It's because he would be the starting quarterback. He would have been the starting quarterback on the Steelers. If you recall, they wanted him. They didn't want Kenny Pickett, but the Browns held on to him till after the draft. So there were probably six or seven quarterback needy teams that picked quarterbacks. So Baker didn't even have a shot. You have to go to a team that, that has the opportunity for, for someone to come in and compete for the quarterback position. Not every quarterback position is eligible for competition. Yeah, you can try to make a roster. By the way, the Ravens wanted him to back up Lamar. They or, or just come in and maybe they weren't sold on Lamar at the point. And, they, and you know, from the same draft class, number one and number 31 or 32. 
The Ravens wanted to sign him. So it was it was really the Browns front office making sure that he wasn't going to go to a division rival that kept him from uh you know having a chance to get to a good situation. Uh, Browns have head coach Kevin Stefanski on Deshaun Watson missing a game with his injured shoulder. He says he knows his body well. He just didn't feel like he could operate enough. We trust him. And Nick Padone is saying it sounds like the quarterback didn't want to give it a go. Hopefully he feels like he could operate enough in 14 days against the 49ers. Yeah. And, of course, the comment, the head coach needs to stop with all the quarterback drawers and called quarterback runs because Watson doesn't protect himself. Yeah, he doesn't get down fast. But, yeah, David says, don't put me in, a, in that category of, of a Watson hater. You don't know how long I've been a Browns fan. Hey, Mr. GM, are you happy with the dollars and the draft capital we spent to get Watson? If you are, you wouldn't last long in a public company. Did you see Baker's stats today? <laughs> Jason adds, hey, Baker could be a top 10 quarterback this year. Playoff bound, question mark. He's got that swag. Yeah, they're three and one. Look, I, he's good enough to get you to the playoffs. And if you get to the playoffs, you have a chance at a Super Bowl. I mean, he, he's won in college. He won a Heisman. He's good. Yes, he's, he's also the other things. But yeah. He needs to step up against the best teams, but maybe he could be an MVP candidate. He can whoop the worst teams and Cincinnati for some reason. Baker never lost to Cincy, but he still has some room to grow even. Anyway, yeah, Rick Rick is saying DTR is Deshaun Kaiser 2.0. That would be. How about this question of the day? Would you rather see Cap as the Browns backup instead of DTR? Dorian Thompson Robinson or Colin Kaepernick? 27 comments there. I'll just let you go ahead and enjoy those. John says, I'd rather poke my out my eyes than have that happen. Mark says he's a cancer. Let him go to Canada so he can kneel for their anthem. I just, it was very disappointing to look how, look to, to, to witness how unprepared. Now look, once again, the upside trying to be positive while I point out the obvious problems. Maybe the Ravens are really good. That defense looked really good, but those, those aggressive penalties need to be called those unsportsmanlike conducts and ripping helmets off. And someone brought up, Oh, what you mean? Like miles Garrett. I'm like, yeah, didn't he get suspended for like a season for that? He lost like two games or four games or six games or some shit. He paid a he paid a penalty for it, but not when the Ravens do it to Elijah Moore. It makes no sense. This one's awesome. <laughs> Bryce Young lined up behind the wrong person. You know, look at this, and he gets knocked over to the side. That's hilarious. Ah, here's more about Minka Fitzpatrick being dirty. But anyway, those were just uh, a few of my thoughts from the game yesterday. Once again, we have 14 days. We got 13 days. We have a chance to turn things around. It's been a challenging season. 
hope and just tragedy of Nick Chubb and the concern about Watson and other piling up injuries. There's concerns, but we're a two and two team. We've played our whole division and we've escaped. We, we put a, we put a whooping on the Titans, put a whooping on the Bengals. Gave that damn Steelers game away. You know, we, we did get beat by the Ravens. And they looked good. They played a good game. And we were down several key players. Um, we're going to have to learn from it. And we're going to have to improve from it. But really, thank God we have our bye week. Get a little healthy. Catch our breath. And get ready to hit the rest of the season. So... Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, youtube.com slash the unhappy hour. I believe it's the unhappy hour or the unhappy hour sports show. Just look it up. Um, the unhappy hour sports show, a support group is a private group on Facebook. Go ahead and join that. And they'll say, where did you find us? And just say, I watched the show. And then on Twitter X, we are at the unhappy hour underscore at the unhappy hour underscore and subscribe to our podcast, the unhappy hour sports show on Spotify. So we'll put that up there. The two and two Browns have got some splaining to do. Lucy, you got some splaining to do. I got to work on my Ricky Ricardo. God. Lucy. Lucy. Didn't he have one of the. Lucy. All right. I haven't watched that in years. <laughs> the Browns got some splaining to do. But we're two and two. It's not a total calamity. Let's regroup. Um, Nick Chubb's had his surgery, and I, then I guess he has another one on his way, but I guess it went well. And timeline, they, they could theoretically expect him to play next year. Wow. You know that he'll be living in the weight room and rehabbing that thing as best he can. Um, you know, so that, that happened this week. We're just, we're taking steps. Miles Garrett, we got to look at his, his ankle. He rolled over it and that's not great, but you know, maybe it's not cataclysmic. He did kind of stay in the game. They reduced his reps a little bit, but he stayed in the game. I didn't get any updates on him so far, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll talk more sports. Um, the NBA is starting again. Maybe I'll, I'll get back to doing my regular NBA show. I know a lot of you really liked that. Maybe I'll get Zach back on the show and cover some of that. Jimmy Butler, not too happy that Damian Lillard went up to Milwaukee, called it collusion. I believe Cavaliers, they're a, a very talented team. Donovan Mitchell got to take steps, got to get tougher. We'll see how it shakes out. Big trades, big things happening, but yeah, we'll continue the sports show. It's just been a matter of uh, getting back on track piece by piece, inch by inch. That's a three stooges reference. Slowly he turned. All right. I will talk to all of you later. Take care. Peace out.